Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive, six of eight in the division preview. Coming right now to your earballs, NFC South. A lot of people have been waiting for this one. Some of my hotter takes of the entire division futures space. Um, my biggest position that I've taken to this point in the preseason is on an NFC South team. Uh, do you have an idea of what that is? Have we talked about this? I am not a hundred percent sure. Okay. I talked to too many people. We, I just talked to too many people and I listened to too many. I've listened to previews. I've read so many previews. I've talked to other people about their takes. This is, yeah, this is going to be a contentious one. Maybe not I, between you and me. I don't hard know. I think, I think we actually agree. We, we agree I, a lot on this one, but I think it's contentious. I disagree that we disagree. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the, the contentiousness will not happen. No, we, we do agree on a lot of things in this one. We agree too much. It's just group thing. It's true. It's this true. Is, will be renamed the echo chamber with Andy and the whale. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I mean, I think we're just coming from the same spot. We're seeing the same things and yeah, we can see the same possibilities. We're evaluating what we're doing. Yeah. We're not, we're not predicting. Because it's super hard to predict. We're just evaluating the probabilities that certain things happen and and seeing if we want to take any positions based on the numbers we're getting. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. who won the who won the South last year? It was the New Orleans Saints. Do you want to start there? Big easy. We had done yeah, the big they easy. Repeated. They'd never repeated as uh, division champs before. Are you shitting me? Nope. That is a I am not shitting you. That is a great little factoid. Because uh, in my head, in my mind, uh, and this is probably directly attributed to the fact that the Saints have one of the longest tenured coach quarterback duo in the league. The longest tenured, if you take Brady Belichick out of the conversation. Uh, and in your mind, when you think of Saints, you think of, yeah, these guys own the NFC South. Isn't that kind of fair in terms of our betting life lifetime is kind of the expectation is the Saints division to lose. Yeah. I mean they they did they had the best record in the league last year. Yeah. They had the best the best record in all the NFL. They won 13 games. That's more than Kansas City. It's two more than the Super Bowl champs. They uh what I think the the Rams had 13 too. But there was the the tiebreaker Sent the the NFC title game was down to the big easy, easy there. Uh, yeah. yeah, going back, they you know obviously they won they won it in 09 when they won their championship. They won it in eleven. They lost in the I think they lost the Niners, and then they hadn't they hadn't won it uh, since two thousand eleven when they did win it last uh, in twenty seventeen. I'm trying to think what happened. Like two straight division championships, and yet no Super Bowl appearances. If we can, I'll, I'll do some research and see what happened, how they did exit the playoffs those two years. I'll look into that, see if we can dig anything up. I'm trying to remember right now. I'm but, sure uh, there wasn't anything that yeah, memorable or I we would remember. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, okay. think, I think that's kind of the, maybe that's the fly in the ointment for the team. They've been very successful, but it does suck. Nobody remembers when you win 13 games. You remember losing on a bullshit penalty. Or, I mean, even in 17, nobody remembers. It was only an 11-win team. But it was still a very good team. 
but everybody just remembers the, you know the the last play with uh, the Vikings, the Minnesota, Minneapolis miracle there. So I think this is kind of it's not completely do or die, but Drew Brees ain't getting any younger. This is uh, it's funny how tied you know the Drew Brees and Philip Rivers will always kind of be tied together. It's it's not that dissimilar of a situation. Very good team. Windows kind of closing. Maybe a maybe not quite as good of a defense, but uh, yeah, there's some good offensive pieces. There probably should be the they're rightfully the you know favorites to win the division. They're one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl in the NFC, and there's a there's a lot to like about them. It's true, man. I guess we can probably. I mean, we can go through all that, but should we should we hit the other end of it, or what do you want to do here? Yeah, let's tear these motherfuckers down. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> drinking <laughs> drinking on the beach huh uh yeah a little actually um mostly modelos in uh you know in the nice uh the nice tall uh tall glasses they serve by the pool down here um okay let's uh let's get real here uh i am like ice cold on the saints it's really um i have to i have to start checking my emotion on this a little bit here because i've kind of talk to myself into, oh, the Saints going to have a tough time this year. Oh, the Saints aren't going to be very good. Oh, the Saints have a tough schedule. Oh, Drew Brees looks bad. Oh, this team's going to be bad. Oh, everything's falling apart. Oh, my God, they're going to get last in the MC South. Like, I've, I've, I've let this kind of get away from me a little bit here in terms of how bearish I am Sounds on this like it's snowballed. It's snowballed. Oh, it's, oh, it's snowballed. It's snowballed big time. Um, and, I mean, I guess here's my case. You know, and, and stop, correct me if you strongly disagree with any of these points. <clears throat> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with everything you're saying here because I know where you're going with most of this. Okay, and then I will I will even though I hate I hate the Saints, I hate their stupid cheating coach and their stupid cheating ways and their asterisk Super Bowl, but I will absolutely take the pro side on this. After you tear them down, I'll build them back up because there are okay. there are a lot of things to like about them. So you get negative. Okay, ready to go. Uh, Drew Brees has shown significant decline from week one to week 17, three seasons in a row. Last year was the most obvious and substantial of those three seasons. People are pointing to a week 12 injury against the Atlanta Falcons and saying, oh, well, he was injured. His shoulder was hurt. That's why he didn't throw very well. That's why his deep pass you know, his depth of target reduced significantly. That's why he couldn't cover uh, an easy spread at home against the, sh- the the absolutely limping into the playoffs Eagles. That's why he couldn't close out a victory against the uh, the Rams in a game that they were 100% the better team at home in a rocking stadium. You know, Drew Brees does not have the arm strength to get him through a full 16-game schedule where he is expected to carry the load and then into the playoffs and win playoff games. It is over. His window was the last couple of years, was the tail end of it, and they were unlucky in that they had a tough break losing to Minneapolis, I mean, losing to the Vikings. Uh, granted, the Vikings were the better team that day, I contest. Um, it was really kind of lucky that the Saints got back into that game and had a late lead to be blown anyway. Um, and then last year, they were the better team against the Rams. They didn't have a great game plan. Sean Payton choked it up. He should have been much more aggressive in that first half. He should have gotten the crowd into the game. He should have put the Rams on their heels. He should have utilized crowd noise and, and energy in a way that disrupted the offensive line and disrupted golf more. He didn't do those things. He let them hang around and it bit him in the ass. 
Um, because if you take the game out of, you know, of your own hands and you put it in the hands of the referees to make a fair call and they're sitting there in the NFC championship game and they're like, well, this is a big moment. I'm not sure we want to decide the game on a penalty. Then you get the position where, you know, a clear and obvious pass interference is not called on the sidelines and the delay of, oh, well, I didn't throw the penalty. It wasn't a penalty. And then so much time has passed. Well, now they can't throw the flag. Well, we can't review it because the NFL rules are ridiculous. Uh, I guess it was just uh, not a penalty carry on. Like it was a, it was an absolute perfect storm. This team's window not is closing. It has closed. I will contend that they desperately needed to not trade all of their draft round draft picks last year to move up, uh, to draft a pass rusher who does not look like he has the juice to be a difference maker in this NFL, even knowing, especially knowing that pass rushers barely make a difference as it is. And, all of these guys that they had two years ago that were wonderkins as rookies um, have took significant steps back last year. I think they were there was some fool's gold in how good um, you know the safety Marcus Williams was, how good Marshawn Lattimore was. I don't necessarily expect them to be difference makers in the secondary um, because the Saints sec- the Saints coverage. T- Full stop. Took a enormous step backwards last year. They were not as good. They were vulnerable to the pass. And if you're vulnerable to the pass in this league, then it's a whole lot tougher for you to hold a lead. Um, they are going to coming into this season. They are going to have a much more uncertainty in terms of people's roles and responsibility with the loss of Ingram. I know it's a running back, and running backs barely matter. But you're now going to look to filling the the you know the load that he carried on on offense by either increasing Kamara's load, which has the potential to reduce his efficiency, uh, you know, put him in harm's way, uh, or break in someone new who we really don't know if you know they have the the skill set to to be effective in this offense. And you know, this the the wide receiver situation is a huge problem after Michael Thomas. Um, they're bringing in a guy like Jared Cook as a tight end and hoping that he's going to have some miracle impact. I don't think he's necessarily the answer at tight end in this league anymore. He drops way too many passes, and he's just, in general, not a very reliable player. There are holes all over this roster, starting with the quarterback position in Drew Brees, who I think you cannot necessarily count him out of the top 10 currently, but is... At the end of this year, if we look back and he's still in the top 10, I will be genuinely surprised. And I want to, you know, kind of put a pin in the quarterback discussion for now uh, because I'd like your thoughts on, you know, kind of where Breeze, Ryan kind of stack up with the 6 to 10 kind of quarterback rankings as we see them today. Um, But if I had to say at the end of the year, turn around, if there's anyone in the current top 10 who I am most likely to or most concerned about falling out it's drew Brees, and it's on the basis of his arm strength it's on the basis of his accuracy slipping a little bit and it's just he's he's old for the quarterback position in the nfl and he doesn't have the frame that tom brady has he doesn't have the um you know the the general um you know longevity that you would expect for you know or, or you know just no one has that Right, Tom Brady is an outlier. No one is playing quarterback at this age effectively anymore. And if Drew Brees takes a huge step back, this is it would be no surprise just based on his age. So it starts and ends with Brees. And then I look at their schedule. I see tons of coin flip games. You cannot tell me 
that this team will effectively win every single coin flip game to make their season win total make sense to me. This is an easy and obvious look at a win total under for the Saints. And, you know, I want to hear your arguments against this before we get into what I think is probably the best look on the board uh, for the NFC South. Uh, And I'll save that surprise and give you the credit because you were the one who thought of it. Yeah, and I'm I'm still maybe maybe amending that a little, maybe to not. Uh, I don't know if I'm sold on Tampa. We'll get to that, but I might be playing a, a team to finish third in the division. But uh, you know, just on the other side of the coin, dev- is it Devil's Advocate when you're being positive? But uh, yeah, Breeze, <laughs> super bad season, seventy four. You know that seventy four percent completion rate. He's uh he was a. Uh, First on, he was number one in the league on first down, seventy-two percent completion rate. He's the only quarterback in NFL history to hit seventy-two percent completion, just overall two two consecutive seasons, and he's hit seventy percent in three consecutive. I know the zip isn't there, the deep ball isn't there, the arm might not be great, and they've adjusted a little. It is a different offense, but he's still he's still a gamer. He's still a good player. He's still a smart quarterback. I think I am worried if if the arm is uh, if the, you know if that injury lingers or it just completely negatively affects that. But uh, for now, I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass. He didn't look terrible. I mean, it's still a team that made the NFC Championship game. They returned 18 of the 22 starters from that game. That's the most starters returned from any playoff team. I'm not so you know I'm not completely out on Jared Cook. Maybe not a great route runner as he's and you know he's not uh, just able to use his athletic ability as as much as he could. But if he improves at all in this offense, it's not a bad look with a with a great receiver and the the schedule. I mean the schedule you see the coin flips, but and this is going to be a theme for this entire podcast as and, and this has happened a few times just because. Teams in the same division will play, you know, a lot of the same teams. They play each other. So the, you know, you have themes as far as this go. And the theme for this division is very easy defensive matchups as far as the passing game. Everybody has a super easy schedule as far as opposing pass defenses in general. I want to say they're all they're all in the the top. 10 for easiest and I think Tampa has the easiest of anybody as far as opposing pass defenses again these are just projections I think I'm taking that from Warren Sharp stuff so anything can change obviously the you know the Bears were supposed to have a pretty tough schedule last year they ended up having like the 30th toughest schedule so this can all change but from what we know right now they aren't going to face a very tough slate of opposing pass defenses so even uh an injured breeze and maybe not having the best pieces outside of your starting, you know, your wide receiver one, it can still be an effective offense. It's a, you know, a good coaching staff, the continuity outside of, you know, they did lose Max Unger. He retired, which Jesus, what the center market in the NFL this year, it's been a lot of turnover center. Yeah, like it's crazy. And once you start talking about this, you remember we're talking about two centers every every podcast. But uh, they drafted Eric McCoy from Notre Dame in the second round to replace him. Like they, uh, like I said, they're returning a lot of the starters. They didn't have to replace a lot, uh, and and they're good. If they if they can win the division, Sean Payton is six and one in the playoffs at home. 
And then if you want to go back to your side, they're one and six on the road in the playoffs. So they do need to make sure the playoffs travel through New Orleans again if they want to have any success. Not that they, you know, ended the last two seasons with a whole lot of success. But uh, uh, and then the aggressiveness uh, going back to who was it that we talked about the other day um, for the Chargers? What is his name? Oh, yeah. Lynn. Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn, yeah. We talked about that aggressiveness index. That's something that Football Outsiders puts in, together that I don't fully understand, and I'm going to have to read up on again. But he went for it a league high 12 times on fourth and ones that qualified. And he, and and actually, the Saints, for some reason, this is just randomness. They led the league with those opportunities. But Sean Payton was extraordinarily aggressive last year on on uh, you know situations like that. That we saw that the one game it was like three or four times right away it was against the and ravens, i liked yeah. it so if, if we yep. can see that yeah against the ravens um the defense did have a lot of penalties especially eli apple like he helped the defense but he also man he had a lot of penalties uh special teams kind of sucked they stole local boy anybody who's listening anywhere near here from john marshall high school in rochester minnesota marcus sherrill's who is a, I think he holds like Vikings records now for most punt return touchdowns. He's a good little returner. Little things like that matter. I, I can't remember the stat I read, but it was as far as like starting field position. They have a metric to measure. Like if your starting field position were two or three yards better on average, it's worth this many points. And it's a lot of points. So having shitty starting field position isn't going to help if, if you have um, a new center and a quarterback who might be hurt. Yeah. Uh, and then what else? Cam Cam Jordan, I like him. Uh, the defense, yeah. yeah, the defense. It did take a step back from that. Oh my God, the Saints had the perfect draft, and everything they did was so good, and they're going to be so good again next year. Which again, they did win thirteen games, but we did see some step backs from some of those second year players. But uh, as far as the defense, Cam Jordan, forty nine pass pressures, second most behind a, a certain player in the Rams. And here it is. Yeah, fifth easiest schedule of opposing pass defenses. So it's hard to be super, super bearish. I mean, you really have to play into the Saints angle or the, the Breeze angle. Breeze's arm isn't right. Breeze might not be the top, of his, the top of his game anymore. You lose your starting center. Maybe you're seeing more pressure up the middle. He's you know, he, People shrink with age. Who knows how tall he is now? He needs clear lanes to see because he's not the tallest guy. So if you're not getting clear lanes up front, it's going to be a problem. I guess where I agreed with you and where I do kind of want to fade the Saints has more to do with how I feel about the next two teams. Okay. So I think it's just going to be, I I think it's going to be more of a, it's going to be more of a three team battle than people think. A lot of people. A lot of people are really, really just high on the Saints to do well again. And, they, you know, they've finally checked out. Atlanta just can't do it. They can't do it with their current pieces right now. They can't do it with coaching. And Carolina, oh, Cam's hurt. And I'm going to dispel some of that. Okay. So then putting a bow on the Saints for now, or putting a pin in this discussion for now, I have two questions for you. <clears throat> the first is, so <clears throat> from, like, from when the, the numbers got released last year's offseason, like prior, so basically prior to last season. So I'm going back in time to like April, May, 2018, right? You remember the conversations we had. They were, we, you know, we were pretty 
clearly in the, you laid it out even. You said it. We were, you were, you, you know, we were, it was like the Saints draft was amazing last year. They got four impact players out of, you know, the draft, maybe the best player in the draft at four different positions. It was incredible. Um, and, you know, and oh, by the way, you know, they've fixed their offensive approach. They're relying on the running and short passing game more to take some of the pressure off Drew Brees so he doesn't have to throw as much. So he'll be fresher for the end of the season. You know, we were making all of those cases and we were like, why in the hell? are the books disrespecting this team? Like, why are they, you know, like we, like, I think last year, maybe one of the most pro, like maybe even the only like real hardcore pro team we were advocating for was the saints. And we were rewarded for being correct about that. And now I feel like I have a dead opposite read about all of this, that the market is under accounting, you know, the, the fact that this is the end of the road for Drew Brees. I am 1 million percent, projecting that this is not a well-kept secret around the league, right? I am basically like, there is tape now. Anyone who studied the Saints tape from the end of last season knows dare Drew Brees to throw it deep. Dare him. Force him to. Make him beat you deep. Make him show you that he still has his arm. Like, I'm expecting that that is the operating assumption that a lot of teams are coming into this year, um, you know, and they will challenge the Saints in that way and that Drew Brees will come up short. Right. And I, number one, I want to know, do you think I am being deluded and overconfident because we had a good read on this team last year? And number two, you know, ha, is there any other evidence besides my blind speculation that this is not a well-kept secret around the league? Well, it's one of the, I mean, we're, yeah, it's not a well-kept secret. And I mean, if we'll get, we'll get to him eventually, but I mean, if you look at what happened to another quarterback in this league who had a who had a hurt shoulder, I mean they they just sat on the short routes against Cam, yeah, and he couldn't go deep. And look what happened in the second half of that season. Granted, there was other issues, but uh, you know if, if a team knows you can't throw deep, they're not going to respect any of those routes. Well, I mean, what do you do? You can completely redo your defensive schemes. To match up, like he's not going to go over the top. I'm not worried about, it. and and that's another piece, maybe to, uh, you know, the the argument about you know fading. If we're going to fully be fading, look at look at the opposite starting receiver. <laughs> that's, you yeah, he got in. Yeah, I I mean like that's it. Like if it's if you know if if ain't going you deep to Teddy. No, well, you. <laughs> I mean, like honestly, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm basically like, yeah, throw it to Teddy, hit him on the dime, hit, you know, hit him on the run. Oh right? yeah, no, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I dare <laughs> like, you. I dare, I dare you. Right? Okay. Quick, quick. Let's go back in time. Um, we've seen throw it to Ben Watson. <laughs> we've seen a quarterback at the end of his rope. We've seen a quarterback who was generationally amazing, who got old, who got you know, who had shoulder injuries, who got to the point where he really was no longer, um, you know, an effective quarterback and it went fast. And you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Peyton Manning. His last season as a starter was like, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Right. And that came out of fucking nowhere. And Manning was 39. And you look at Manning's year as a, as a 38 year old, 
it was a pretty typical Manning year. It was that this guy still got it. 47,000, you know, 4,700 yards passing, 39 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. It was a good, not great Manning year in general at age 38. And at age 39, he had absolutely nothing. He got benched for Brock Osweiler and then eventually re-earned the starting spot. Ooh. They went on to win the Super Bowl. But uh, that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was such a weird year. That was so weird that, like, they benched him and they still would. His arm was, his arm was, I mean, to say it was a noodle arm is an insult to Italian chefs everywhere. <laughs> like, that, that was, it was gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's where I'm going with this. Um, steady decline in passing yards and in passing attempts over the last three seasons for Drew Brees, like clear and obvious trend. Um, with that has come, you know, fewer interceptions. He's turning the ball over less. He's being a little bit more safe with it. Um, but you know, I just, ha- I have the game ending interception in overtime against the Rams in my head. That was such a dead duck of a throw. Like he, he all he needed to do was make that fucking throw and they go on and they win that game. And he put it up for grabs Rams picked it off. Rams drive down, kick the game winning field goal, game over. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm willing to pay to see 40 year old Drew Brees return to the Drew Brees of old because I can tell you that another season of regression does not get it done in this very competitive division against a reasonably tough schedule. I feel I get what you're saying about the defenses on the schedule aren't necessarily the ones that really spook you. But I kind of don't care about that. It's the way that the schedule is stacked up, where they're playing when, the the degree to which they are disadvantaged in certain spots here is going to make it tough to them to have this. Oh. Like last year, they had this huge sustained I mean, winning sure. in the middle of the season. They're not going to have that no. this year. It's just way too much, much more difficult highs and lows on this thing. And, you know, I, I, I'm willing to pay to see Drew Brees of 40 years old prove me wrong. Yeah, and for sure, like, you can say they face a really easy slate of pass defenses, but you don't just play a team's pass defense. You play the entire team, and there's some good offenses. There's some tough overall teams. There's some tough spots. There's some really tough road games. Like, and, and I think it's going to be a tough division. I'm honestly, I, I don't think you see a one or two seed out of this out of this division. I think it's going to be, it's going to be like probably... A dog fight for the three or four. Yeah. I think it's you're, gonna be, oh, you're yeah, so right. it's gonna it's gonna be kind of a the NFC NFC North and the NFC South are just gonna be these three team dog fights for the last two seeds. And then it's gonna be like the you know, the Rams and the Eagles just coast to 12, 13 wins. Oh fuck the Rams and, are and you end up the, 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 yeah. damn it. Yeah, no, it's gonna be the the one and two seed. And you know, a lot of many a slip twixt the cup and the lip. But how I see things playing out is a couple of dog fights in the north and south, and then the Rams and Eagles semi coasting to the one and two seeds and maybe battling for it, which we've had that. I guess we've had that before, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean I, I do like it. We talked about the number that we we're referencing earlier is you can get the Saints to f- finish third or fourth in the division at 500 plus 500 plus 507 actually it's a big old number if you and if you like me and i i I am i'm out you know as many i tried to do positive stuff there and you know we have to do them their due but i'm i'm also higher in atlanta and carolina i think it is going to be a dog fight i think there's value in some saints regression 
just based off the the arm in, or you know the the injury, the age, the the offense outside of Thomas. And yeah, it's you can you can I mean if you think they finished dead fourth, you can get like twenty five to one if you're a believer in what's happening down in Tampa. But just to finish third or fourth is uh, is a pretty nice number plus five hundred seven right now. I think I'm going to split my stake. I'm going to put a half on third or fourth and a quarter or a half on fourth. And that's probably my favorite look of the whole preseason. Should we end the podcast here? Or yeah. Or, and also I think, I think it's worth it. If if you do believe in that, to, to put a little bit on, you're getting plus money that they don't win the division. The field to win the NFC South is plus 145. I haven't even shopped that around. I'm just looking at one book right now to, to miss the playoffs plus 240. If you are all in on a, on a Saints regression, there are a ton of ways, and they're all plus money, because the market is fully behind him. Thomas's season receiving yards is like 1275. Breeze's yardage is 4200, which feels like it's going to be a bit high. That's plus money on the under, too. Under 30, 30 and a half touchdowns. I mean, there's a ton of ways to fade the Saints. I do like the, the way we picked out third or fourth in the division. And then also, I'm, I'm kind of in on to just not win the NFC South at plus 145. I think there's a non-zero so congratulations, chance. Congratulations, New Orleans. On the Super Bowl <laughs> uh, congratulations. Uh, Drew Brees gets benched for Taysom Hill week, week 12. May Taysom Hill guides them to some improbable wins. Drew Brees comes back in week 17, carries them to the Super Bowl. Um I can see it all now. Um, if the league were scripted, that's probably how they do it, I guess, because you know it worked so well with the Peyton Manning weirdo, weirdo season. Um, okay, I think that was pretty reasonable and pretty diligent coverage of the likelihood of the Saints regression. I and I'm going to spend my time now, having put all that on tape. I'm going to spend my time kind of evaluating risk here at this point and thinking about you know where in the schedule we can come with some corrections to try to cover ourselves here if we're wrong. Okay. And yeah, throughout the schedule. I like throughout, that. Yeah. Like, okay. If we're wrong, like this is where we, we, where we can make up some ground. Right. Because again, there's going to be a lot of coin flip games here. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's tough to doubt a team that has, uh, you know, so much incumbency in the quarterback and coach, you know, quarterback position and coaching. Um, I just, I, I'm not, I'm just, I I'm, feel like I'm on the right track here and I want to be ahead of, of Drew Brees' kind of culminating year here. Um, and, you know, it's uh, you know, maybe maybe I, I can very realistically, though, I was kind of not joking about Taysom Hill there. Like, I can very realistically see a scenario play out where, like, yeah, Drew Brees is on the injury report week six, week seven, week eight. And it's like, yeah, it's not going well. He's not being effective. And they kind of put him on ice for the rest of this year and try to let him get healthy and try to run it back one more time at age 41 next year. And we see Taysom Hill take a ton of tarts of tough starts this year for the Saints. Like that's that is I feel like that is an actual realistic you know, uh, way that this season plays out for these guys. And I have, will have, you know, I will be watching every Saints game with a, f- you know, on in every Drew Brees pass with very, 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 um, you know, close scrutiny because, um, you know, as it is now, I have a ton down on these guys coming in under expectations in a lot of different ways as we just laid out, which means someone else is going to win the South. So who would it be? Uh, who got well, let's start with the second place team. Yeah, there yeah, wasn't. 
Who was it? I mean, the competition, the competition apparently wasn't there. I, this is one of those things too, where, and we've done this a couple times with records. You're like, really? That was their record? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, like, that's, that's, like, that's, I, that's I felt weird. like somebody was eight and eight and nobody was eight and eight. And I get, Oh, last one. I had my fun fact, my fun fact about uh, the saints. Do you remember watching saints games? How like, I don't know. It's like they had comebacks. They weren't a lot of them weren't super late comebacks, but they sucked right out of the gate. So many games. And it was their defense ranked 31st in the league in fir- in first quarters. And then sixth on defense in the if you just go second quarter onward. I don't know why. I don't know if there's a reason, but for now, like that's just my fun fact. And that that uh, that Superman, I mean, that manifested itself all the time. You saw them look like shit and trail in first quarters constantly. So if they tighten that up a little, maybe. I don't know. So let's move on. Hot Lana. Hot Lana, 7-9 last year. Humongous underperformance. We were expecting Atlanta to challenge the Saints last year for the, you know, for the, I think our, our breakdown of the NFC South last year, Saints got this. They're great. They're going to win. They got all these young players coming back. They're going to take a step forward. Atlanta should be just as good. Have they'll have a bounce back year two, but their schedule is a little tougher, and they're in some disadvantaged spots when they play the Saints. So, you know, they're a pretty clear second place team. Lo and behold, they way underachieved. We were expecting like ten wins out of this team last year. They got uh, seven, uh, and you know, it was pretty easy to kind of hang a ton of that on their offensive coordinator and their just their offensive. Um, you know, their, their general offensive underperformance. Like you look at the metrics that, that Matt Stafford, I mean, sorry, that Matt Ryan put up last year and you're like, that was a 10 win team. You look at the performance and the, and some of the metrics of some of their wide receivers. And it's very, very tough to kind of square. Like how did this team, how did things go so wrong last year? Well, they went wrong for two reasons. Number one, their offensive coordinator was not good. He failed consistently in the red zone. Number two, their defense sustained two very critical injuries to the secondary, one to Keanu Neal, one to Deion Jones. They were season-ending or effectively season-ending injuries right at the beginning of the season. And apparently, yeah, apparently they lack all depth. They have 0.0 depth beyond kind of their first-line defense, and the guys that they put in to replace those guys were below replacement-level players. So they effectively you know, needed to score 40 points in any given game to get a win, which is awfully tough when you have uh, an offensive coordinator that does not have an actual plan when he gets into the red zone. Presumably, with healthier pieces back, this is going to be a much more competitive defense this year. Presumably, by bringing in Dirk Cutter, former head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the offense will, uh, you know, kind of correct a little bit. I doubt we ever see the Shanny offensive coordinator with Matt Ryan kind of oh, this God. season again for Wouldn't this team. Nice? We're never going to see that again. But we're definitely, sh- we should see something more, uh, you know, in the middle and not something as bad as, as uh, what we got with, uh, you know, the, the Spag. It was um, not Spag. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, not, not as bad as the Sarkeesian, uh, yeah. you know, Ben Poor. That Deion Jones injury yep. cannot be, yeah, I mean, you can't overstate. I mean, just right out of the gate. Both injuries were so early. Deion Jones missed 10 games. And you've seen what happened when he came back. That defense was markedly better. And then who who was the other guy that hurt, got hurt? Ricardo Allen? Uh, it no, was, it was I mean, Keanu those two Neal. were super Neal. The two The two best players on their no, defense. No, I know Keanu Neal. There, 
There, yeah, no, those were those were awful. But there was like one or two other injuries too. They, oh, were there? They had a they bad had a cluster, string of they had a, yeah, they, they had a cluster injury injury. They had a cluster place on your defense. Yeah, yeah, and those two were super important injuries. Said, I mean, it, it essentially ruined their season because I I, I want to lay out two quarterbacks for you here. So one quarterback A threw for four thousand nine hundred and twenty four yards. 35 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Quarterback B threw for 4,944 yards, 38 and 7. You want to guess? Wow. Uh, I got nothing, man. Um, boy. Well, well, I think I mean, he was... Almost yeah. ident- uh, so, I mean, almost identical seasons. Really good, nearly five thousand yards. Really good ratios, over thirty-five touchdowns both times. Well, I'll break it. They're both Matt Ryan. <laughs> I was going to say was, one's Matt Ryan, but I can't figure out which one. Yeah, like yeah. I'm still one was. Okay, yeah, good. One was last year, and one was his MVP year in 2016. And he essentially Whoa. had his MVP season numbers. They just didn't have the team success. You can't, I mean, and obviously, like you know, uh, let's say. Let's take Mahomes completely out of the league in this hypothetical. You still can't give it to a team that finishes seven and nine. No way. He, he had a good year or not, but he got still, no consideration. You know, it just doesn't happen. No consideration. You need, yeah, you, you need the team success, but essentially, he almost you know identical to his MVP season. He had a good year, but like you said, when the defense is that rough, it gets it gets tough. They had the second worst DVOA on defense. Their offense was great. Their offense was top 10, but their total DVOA was garbage because the defense just drug them, drug them to the bottom of, I don't know, whatever water is down there, the, the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, and is, I, I mean, think, and yeah, is I think, but yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. What the one general march to the sea. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, how do you feel about Cutter? I actually because am very of, lukewarm yeah. on Cutter. Very lukewarm. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of running, like running the ball quotes I'm getting. Yeah, I'm in, supposed I'm, to be the I, air yeah. Coriel half air raid shit. I want to yeah. see that. I would like to also, but I don't like what he's called in the preseason. I don't like yeah. the way that he kind of had a you know, kind of a little bit of a tug of war with Todd Munkin over play calling in Tampa Bay last year. And Tampa Bay's season went absolutely sideways last year on them after a pretty good start. So, you know, Dirk Cutter might, question mark, be the answer here. And I think, honestly, like, if you flip Munkin and Cutter, and, and Cutter's in Cleveland and Munkin is in Atlanta, I think I'm probably jumping up and down in the bed right now, like Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta. Really, truly. Like, I, I definitely hold Munkin higher. Um, and I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if I've bought into it or, like, if I'm, like, you know, sniffing glue or something here. Like, I, I don't know why I feel like he is better, you know, better, you know, um, you know, for today's NFL than Cutter. But, um, yeah, I'm lukewarm. I'm very lukewarm. And but as you said, with a, a offensive coordinator who I felt like did not have the right play when he absolutely needed it for two seasons in a row uh, in Sarkeesian, I feel like even if he is at best average, uh, it should be an upgrade. Oh man, I read three different previews, and I went over some of it today. 
and because I, I was trying to think of the game and the two two of them start with this and another one mentions it greatly is the the Eagles game right out of the gate last year. Oh my god. I remember that they, oh my I, god. I don't I don't I don't have the exact stats. I should almost I should almost spin over to that because they were they were like inside the ten yard line Four times. They lived inside the 10-yard line. And just, yeah, and they just didn't score. Four it times, was, zero touchdowns. It was rough. They were running zone runs to the outside and getting getting knocked back off the ball on fourth down. It was – the play calling was bad. The execution was worse. And that was kind of a microcosm of how the offense did in the red zone for the season. You the throw worst a bunch part of, about uh, it? Yeah, a bunch of defensive injuries on top of that and you end up with a really talented roster with a good head coach finishing with seven wins that's what you're gonna get yeah and you remember the worst part about this right the previous season falcons ended on that field against oh, that at team the two yard line. with sarkeesian rolling matt ryan out of the pocket and giving julio jones you know, giving Matt Ryan half of the field to work with on a fourth down attempt to get a touchdown to eliminate the Eagles, which would have completely changed the complexion of that postseason. Uh, and he calls the worst one of them. Oh it wasn't like a jet sweep, but it was a bad fucking call. And it was sure enough, yeah. and so they so they failed <laughs> for that touchdown. The Eagles go on and win. The they Super had four Bowl. chances. Yeah, they were down. <laughs> yeah, I had a and so, fifth. Was shout out, shout out to Mister Chernoff who talked us into this. Me at least when he was on the podcast, we had him on with a two or three weeks left in the season, and the Falcons were sketchy to make the playoffs at that point. It was probably a coin toss, and I think it was fifty to one to win the Super Bowl because they were looking like they would be on the outside looking in. And I took some Falcons fifty to one, and I, I of course, whenever I have a team at fifty to one in the playoffs, I let it ride one game too long, so. And can that you imagine really if Minnesota? Because I, I would have. It was on my hosts, again. It was on my cash out book. It was on my cash out book. I would have just hit the button against Minnesota for sure. Yeah, I didn't Minnesota would have instead Minnesota. of going to Philly and facing the 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 dog masks in Philly and getting just run out of the stadium, they would have been at home hosting the Falcons on the Falcons' third straight road game. After going to LA to Philly, now I mean, like that would have been money. So yeah, it, it, you know, and the fact that that was two seasons ago, how it ended, and then they started the season in Philly and they failed in the red zone so prolifically twice, three times, something crazy like that. Like they they lost the game again on fourth down with just god awful play calling, and you know it's 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 a bad, it's a bad, it's stain on Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn. I think does not get the criticism he deserves because people look at three Super Bowls go. He had the Patriots on the ropes. People are like, well, I mean, he made it to the Super Bowl. He almost won. I mean, things break a little differently. He would have won a Super Bowl. And he would have a Super Bowl <laughs> winning really coach. Right, he almost got it, right? But And so he kind of gets the benefit of the doubt in a lot of ways. But I think he deserves much more scrutiny, much more criticism because let's not forget, Dan Quinn came from the Seattle defensive machine under the legion of boom he was part of a, just an absolutely spectacular develop and uh and get your guys to play above their level and you know we're stopping you through the air you are not passing on us they bring him into atlanta and he has really really struggled to develop the atlanta defense into anything better than average and for the most part one or two injuries to key players they've been the bottom of the freaking league so 
if you're not bringing that, if you're not bringing what you should be bringing from a strength standpoint, then you better be a good manager. You better have good, uh, you know, decision making on on certain fa- things. And the the evidence is not great that he does. And you know, I like this season goes one of two ways for these Falcons. They look great. They win games early against teams. I'm looking at the schedule now. We're going to go there in two seconds. They win games against teams that should make the playoffs. They start the season with Minnesota, um, Philly, and Indy. We expect all three of those teams to be in the playoff discussion, correct? Oh, yeah. That's a tough stretch to start your season with those three. Let's say they go two and one. They will be in the catbird seat to absolutely... Uh, take a step forward through the middle part of their schedule where they're going to be the better offense on the field almost every single game. And so if they can get out to a nice start, if they can race out and put some pressure on the other teams in the NFC South, I think we're talking about a, you know, a legitimate contender here to win the NFC. If they don't, we are talking about a legitimate contender here to fire Dan Quinn. <laughs> am, I, am I crazy? No, you're not. And don't, don't forget the little... St- Schedule quirk that we mentioned in the scheduling episode, the uh, the situational and scheduling, those are all indoor games, all of them until forever. What's the first <laughs> one? Carolina Week Eleven, first game that's not indoors. The Falcons in, never indoors at Minnesota, home. Yeah. Indoors at Indy, home. You know, it, and then you go Houston, Arizona, home, home. Bye. In the in the Superdome, and then finally you play an outdoor game at Carolina. 10 weeks without going outside. So I get, and that's a positive, I guess we haven't mentioned, you know, people will shit on Julio for some of his less than stellar stats in the red zone. Boy, red zone is kind of a theme here. I want to go back to that quick. While you were, while you were talking, I did look up the article. What was it? Football outsiders had it. And so did Warren Sharp and another one. They made it to the one, five and 15 yard lines. Those three drives resulted in zero points, not three field goals or, <laughs> or you know, none, zero point. That's so bad. You don't win games like that. Oh, um, Jesus Christ. I had the end of that. Rough, day, so I was yeah. <laughs> yeah. Julio Jones, Sanu in the slot, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley had 10 touchdowns, led all rookies. Yeah. Freeman, if he's healthy. I mean, we have a good offense lined up here. A couple rookies on the right side of the line, probably for sure at right tackle. They drafted, and McGarry comes highly, highly touted. He was a high draft pick. Lindstrom again, another high draft pick. Those were both first round picks, but it is the whole right side of the line is is rookies there. So hopefully that works out. But I have full faith in these fast receivers and Matt Ryan with his five thousand yard seasons indoors for ten. Straight game, or you know, ten straight weeks there. I think they can get out to a hot start. I'm not fully bought in on like, oh, this is a Super Bowl team, but for sure within the division, I just don't. I, you know, going back to the Saints, I'm not like, oh, the Saints are going to suck so bad they're going to win four games. No, I, I'm on a Saints fade because I believe in the other two teams and maybe even a little in Tampa. Like this is going to be a very competitive division. The I think the Falcons, it's essentially the same team, if not maybe a little better than last year, and they're just getting no respect because they had such a shitty bad luck with the injuries. Yeah. And they right. had bad luck and bad play calling. Yeah. So if Dirk Cutter is even a, a small improvement, if he can improve anything in the red zone, if he can improve you know, just the overall play calling, 
I think I think we got a team here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let's go, Falcons. Win the stuff. Um, I don't think this is crazy. And, and that, that's Actually, a look I like, too. Um, price me this. Plus number money? Plus price money numbers? Price me this. Go ahead. Uh, Riddle me this. Is there a greater edge on Matt Ryan to lead the league in either touchdowns or yards than there is on the Falcons to win the NFC or the South? Obviously, there's better numbers to, to win the South. What are those numbers? I bet you yeah. they're good. We need to look into this. Yeah, Let's we'll, look into we'll, this. We will look into that. We'll tweet something out. Because sure. the, the indoor thing, um, I think the indoor thing plays into that, really. Right? Like, it doesn't mean they're going to win all those games. You see Julio's total? But they're going to be chucking. <laughs> no, what is it? Do it, it, let me guess. 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 Oh, you already right, said it. Already 15, 1595. 1535 plus 20 on the over. Shit, that's um, a lot. And then Matt Ryan. You want to guess? Guess Matt Ryan's. Passing yards? It's minus what 40 is, to the over. His yes. passing yards? Uh, well, I yes. dare them to hold. I dare them to put a number in the low 4,000s. Uh, 4350. 4605 and a half. Wow. Juice to the piss gills to the over. Wow. So we're <laughs> they believe in them. They Ryan they know what the schedule looks like. They know what the receivers look like. Or somebody who bet into I think that market. My, my look <laughs> somebody yeah. smashed. My, my that look over here, already. and this is something I've already bet is the Falcons to make the playoffs at plus one fifty. Oh, I like that. I like it's that. a decent number. I yeah. think they, I think they vie for the division, and I think they definitely vie for a wild card spot. Okay. I think it's more likely than that. I'd, I'd call it more of a coin toss. Okay, fifty fifty, and, uh, and I'll take the number. And if, and if they don't fire Dan Quinn, because this was a good handicap, <laughs> and it's your fault, exactly. Dan. Um, okay, Carolina Panthers, Ron Rivera, and uh, Norv, just, Norv, Norv, Norval. Go back Turner. and listen to the Saints part. <laughs> Norval Turner. <laughs> Do you Cam remember Newton. January? I Where do. we were at January? Yes, they were I comparing do. this to Andrew Luck. He might miss a miss whole the I season. Mean, yeah. Management brought it up. That was their words. They compared it to the Andrew Luck situation. You know, we might have to just miss a season. I was I was thinking in my mind, maybe that's not the worst idea. He's not that old yet. Get him, you know. Get him an off season. Get him a full season. Get him right. Fully get that shoulder right. It's the same so it's the same shoulder he had um a torn rotator cuff and had work done on. This was just arthroscopic, smaller procedure. They said it went well. There was quotes saying it was less of a less of an issue than they thought it was gonna be. The rehab went really well. He says he's a hundred percent. I don't you know, we haven't seen much yet. I, how do you feel based on preseason quotes, any preseason or camp kind of footage you've seen or anything you're hearing or seeing from anyone else in the league, the division, the the team, the media, the Twitter sphere, yeah, or Cam I, himself? I have complicated feelings about this, actually, because I feel three things. Number one, I feel, <laughs> po- I, feel po- I feel positive um, because it's better than apparently we were led to believe in the winner. Like, he actually is going to play. He actually does look relatively spry. Like, he, his shoulder is performing well. Like, that's positive. Number two, I feel scared for him. 
because this is a humongous injury risk. And actually, this is not unique just to Cam Newton. There are a number of teams, a number of players across this uh, roster who I think are, you know, a little spooky in terms of how likely they are to get hurt. Um, and then the third thing I feel is I don't really know how much it matters because the backup quarterback situation is not that bad. Um, I like what we've seen from some of the uh, uh, the backup quarterbacks in Carolina. I think if it comes down to that, they can work around it a little bit. Obviously, a ton of the dynamic aspect of Carolina offense is what Cam Newton brings to the table in terms of his running ability. He is legitimately unstoppable as far as converting short down to go, you know, short down and distance um, or short distance to go uh, yardage on the ground. He's like, he's amazing. Like legitimately the best we, one of the best we've ever seen in the league. And you know, you'll lose some of that. You'll lose some of that. But uh, I don't know that I necessarily have ever really loved his passing game. Uh, You know, from, you know, from whistle to whistle, he generally makes some things, some some mistakes that I'm like, you know, dope slap your head. Like, what are you doing, dude? Um, And yeah, if he's dealing with any kind of a lingering, lingering shoulder injury, or if he gets it hurt at all, um, you know, with the, you know, the way, just the general way he plays football. Yeah. I could see a situation where you pull him and you let him get healthy and you throw (laughs) Kyle Allen. So I I kind of, you think um, he's smarter now? Do you remember? Remember when he hot dogged it into the end zone and just got lit? I up? do, I do. I enjoyed been, that because that was more than once. I don't it's love been him a bunch. All. Yeah, <laughs> he's done he's that done a bunch a few times. It's kind of a bonehead, but mm, uh, a little bit. No, he's great. He's a pain in the ass to bet against, to play against because he can, you know, just I don't want to say Russell Wilson light because he's probably got thirty pounds on him, but in the same vein, as far as you think you have him contained, you think you have the play broke. Again, and all of a sudden he's 30 yards downfield pissing you off and you're throwing pillows at the TV. <laughs> he is an electric talent. If his arm is right, if, you know, there's another, there's some more turnover here on the offensive line. We're going to see some turnover, I think, center and uh, left, uh, start a tackle left, uh, or start so, a rookie left tackle probably. But, uh, center, though, is and, a and humongous upgrade. Center, though, is a humongous upgrade. Yeah, no, the, no, for sure. Like Maybe the biggest it, it, one we've talked upgrade about Upgrade so talent-wise? Yeah. Yeah. Talent-wise, was... it's an upgrade, but still, con- there's something to be said for continuity. Like, it's still bringing a new guy in. You still got to get him acclimated. Great point. Playing in the system and behind a quarterback who's all over the fucking place sometimes. Great point. Offensive lineman can't love that so but anyway there there are some changes there greg olson is a thousand years old dj moore was it is it jarius right at the slot is that the old vikings receiver yeah either way christian mccaffrey will be the the best running back as far as overall yardage rushing and receiving for the season he's gonna be a stud the offense will move through those two the receivers just have to be decent and I think I was wrong last year. I think we were too hard on Norville. I do too. Going into the season, one million percent we, we, we were. really, yeah, we really, really wanted to fade Carolina, and although, they were. Did, although he did get him hurt, you which know, is what they we were, were a five hundred. Our whole angle, yeah, our whole angle on on cold on that Carolina was, was well, Norville. Right. You're right. We're right. <laughs> you're right. But, you're no, right. No, no. but I no, mean, just we, yeah. we were worried about minus EV play calling more yeah. as far as Norv being the game. We'd said, you know, the words, the game has passed him by were uttered by us. 
multiple but times, he, and that was not correct. He, no, he adapted. He had some nice, uh, some nice adaptations to his style, and the the offense didn't look bad. They had some fluky wins. They had some fluky losses. I think they're pretty close to their. You know, uh, they were probably right around a 500 team as far as their Pythag goes too. And, you know, the, the Newton injury is uh, the, what was it? The Steelers game when he got hit in the shoulder there. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't you win saw another it. game. You saw it that. in, yeah, you they, saw it in live. They didn't win a game. Like, oh, he's done. He started after that game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They made their season win totals under, which was my, uh, my on the spot bet with, uh, Gabe Sports Rage in Vegas on stage uh, came through in 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 its entirety because of that injury. Um, okay, I agree with pretty much everything you just laid out there. By the way, I think Christian McCaffrey slam dunk leads the league in all purpose yardage, and I don't necessarily <laughs> think it's close. More than six hundred yards rushing or whatever it was last year, <laughs> six twenty five. <laughs> it's still the worst line. Four hundred yards ever, higher this year. I th- I still think that might have been the worst line I think I've ever seen in the season long prop market. I don't think there's even a second place. Yeah. Um, and it's set at 10.50 this year. Yeah, I mean, even that probably has a little bit of value because this offensive line is significantly yeah. improved. Um, it's not widely spoken because it's not very sexy, but the center they got from Denver, Matt Paredes, is freaking awesome. Well, very- he is. I-, I thought he was an All Pro last year. He didn't get the recognition because the team wasn't very good. Or what? Or did he? I don't think he was recognized as an All Pro center, but I think he was damn freaking close. I think he was a top five free agency signing because the Carolina Panthers—that was one of their key weaknesses. That said, they didn't address all of their key weaknesses. Um, nope. I'm gonna cool a little bit on kind of bashing their receiving core here. DJ Moore should get take a step forward to second year. Chris Samuel actually looks pretty decent. Um, I don't think they have a very good third option in Chris Hogan or Jarius Wright, but maybe one of those guys is effective. Um, I don't think um, Greg Olson has much left to give us, but uh, you know it doesn't totally matter if you have someone as dynamic as McCaffrey out there all the time. Uh, McCaffrey, excuse me. Um, I know you did that last year too. I know, that's like a I, weird I, nervous tick you have. I have a friend named Christian McCafferty, uh, and that's why I say that a lot. But um, so, excuse me when I say that. They um, gave Jason Kelsey the All Pro at center. Which can you really eh, blame them? No, I can't. I can't. That's fine. And then Pouncey um, was Pouncey was second team. Like those aren't bad is, news. Behind. Nah, the second one is the legacy. Ah. Call. That was the legacy call. I didn't think he played well enough to get second. I'll take the team second. They should have given it to Prius for second team. Um, anyway. They did not address their other issue, which is their secondary. Um, this is still a secondary that leaves a lot to be desired. Your starting quarterbacks are Dante Jackson and James Bradbury. Those are people that play in the National Football League that'll start at cornerback. <laughs> that'll start at cornerback for your Carolina Panthers. And they will presumably have to defend Michael Thomas and Julio Jones and Mike Evans and Godwin. And so six, at least six games against those dynamic playmakers in the, uh, uh, in the wide receiver position uh, on top of another other, you know, they have a very, this might be an overtime. they kind of have a dicey, um, they kind of have a dicey schedule in terms of, you know, who they face on the, uh, uh, in the passing game. They start out with the Rams, Tampa, Arizona, Houston, Jacksonville. Uh, so yeah, have fun covering Cooks, Evans. Uh, I guess Arizona. 
doesn't really spook me anymore with Fitzgerald being way over. Yeah, the but hill, they're going to throw uh, all their Hopkins. wide receivers at you all the time. That's, that's like, even point, if they're yeah. not great receivers. There's going to be four receivers on the field all the time. You're yeah. going to have to find that depth. If you don't have good starters, <laughs> you don't have good depth. So when you have to go into dime packages all the time, that could be even if it's not working completely up to snuff yet. The what they're putting together. They're in the desert. Yeah. That could be a serious issue for teams with a lack of depth in the defensive backfield. Yeah. In addition yeah, to just, I mean, like you said, right out of the gate. <laughs> like I said, you know, I, I talked big about the Vikings one, two. If the Vikings have the best one, two in the league, as far as receivers, the Rams have the best one, two, three. Yeah. Like, oh yes. Absolutely. As far as the, the depth at your third receiver, Brooks, that could be, are we just on Rams team total over? Did we just uh, make a bet? No. <laughs> on a week one? Yeah. Shit, we might need to read. We might need to look into this, actually. Hmm. There's a lot of really cool sentiment on the Rams in that game, and I'm not 100% sure I'm buying it, but we'll have to, we'll have to hold our tongue on this for another week. Yeah, uh, I love that take you brought up, though, uh, against the Cardinals. Uh, in addition to Jackson and Bradbury, how about you trot uh, Kevon Seymour out there? And uh, how about you trot Ross Cockrell out there? And then bring out your fifth cornerback. You could be I, making up names. <laughs> I wouldn't even know. Trot out your fifth you quarterback. You could have slipped one in on me. <laughs> trot out your fifth cornerback, a guy named Corn Elder. Um, yeah, so these are human beings. They play in the national. I know that's league. a real one. <laughs> you know Corn Elder? I guess his name is Corn Elder. <laughs> Corn Elder. Yeah, he's, well, I, yeah. I, you don't forget a name like that when you're doing research. <laughs> I wrote that down. I'm like, Corn Elder. He was like a, a late, a late, uh, I think, fifth or sixth round pick. Yeah, just, good call. He's wow. still on the team because they pick. don't have depth. Yeah, yeah fifth round pick. Um, okay, so I think we beat this. Not good. I think. I mean, I think there's reason to be optimistic for the Panthers, but I also think that they're pretty accurately lined. Like... Eight and eight, nine and seven feels reasonable for this team because they are going to lose games they should win based on they're going to get torched in the air on the off, on when their defense is on the field. They're going to be up in games and teams are going to be able to come back on them because they're going to be able to check on them. In fact, you think we saw that a lot last year. Uh, well, their front four is very, very, very good. Um, yeah, I just don't know how much that matters that can, against the quarterbacks. They can ask a little bit. Yeah, but they, but that's they're not true. they're not playing they're not playing a ton of quarterbacks where that's really going to matter. I mean, maybe they're going to match up fairly well against the Bucks because Jameis doesn't necessarily inspire a ton of confidence in terms of evading the rush and getting the ball out of his hands quickly. But um, you know, but Brees and Ryan do, uh, and so I don't know if this really is a differentiating factor. But it's it, I mean, it's a it's a damn good front four. I mean, it's a damn good front seven, uh, especially well, if it's he, a if good front seven. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like. It, you do never, you never know what's going to happen in the season. And I think we find like one, a lever, like the fulcrum of what's going to make this team go or not. And obviously anybody can point at Cam Newton's health. And that is super important. But if these cornerbacks play how we expect them to or worse, it's going to be a bad year. If they play above average, if they find something, if uh, I think that. Ron Rivera is going to call the defense. He took over from Eric Washington for the last couple games of the season. I don't know if it really mattered. I think weren't, you know, it was kind of a hard losing streak and things weren't going well on the offense as well. But Ron Rivera calling the defense, I'm pretty sure is how we're going to go this year. If you correct me on that, if I'm wrong, I don't know if he's giving it back to him. But either way, if, if anything changes, 
and maybe in, maybe if, even if they do give it back to him, maybe a little bit of wake up call or if they can do anything with this defensive backfield, if they can get anything out of him, it's a decent defense. It's not bad. It's it's good because we said the, the front seven. I mean, there's a couple of studs at linebacker. You get I mean, nice my read, rushers. my they, read on they this. Drafted, they drafted at the end super early. They brought in Bruce Irvin. Yes. They brought in Gerald McCoy. Like they, they do have good pieces on defense. If you can get above where we think they're going to be from the corn elders yeah. and the Jared Bradbury's of the world, I think it can be a team that's in the hunt. Because the other, you know, the other two teams, like you said, I don't see a 13 win team. It's going to be 10, 11 wins for this division. If they can get the Cam, Cameron and Norville working the offense and the defense can overperform just a titch, they can win 10 games. Yeah. Okay. So uh, just like the other ones, the past defenses they're going to face are going to be soft. That's where I'm, that's where this is like an over team. No, this, no, no, no. This and is actually, the opposite of Miami. Actually, this actually, is the, think, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the polar opposite of the Dolphins as yeah. far as... You combine the these two rosters, you have great one really good yeah. team. Yeah, you combine these two rosters, yeah. you have one great uh, no, team. No, you know, we talked about Miami being an under team. Miami, yeah, the true. only good thing about them is their defensive backs yeah. and their offense is going to suck. So they're an under team. This is the complete opposite. I think the, okay. the offense is going to be good against the soft pass soft pass schedule and the defensive secondary sucks you could be some it could be some high lines we can see some 50s pretty quickly yeah there. i feel this um okay are they going to be able to get leads in games sure are they going to be able to put away the lead with the run i actually think yeah reasonably um but are they going to be able to they run well the, yeah somehow they're going to give up but they're going to give they have up high passing. success rates no matter what they're doing yeah right 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 so they they could be able to put away games by just playing key play uh they can't put away games by by preventing the other team from coming back passing they are going to be able to not let other teams run the ball out on them because their run defense looks extremely stout. So they'll always have a chance, fighting chance when they're behind. Um, but I don't know if this pass, you know, set of passing weapons is dynamic enough. I don't know if you're passing, if, you're, if your quarterback play is going to be good enough to come back in a lot of games. So there's a ton of uncertainty here. I think all boils down to they're going to lose some games they should win. They're going to win some games they should lose. And I get your general read of this being an over team. Uh, and um, yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know. I, I would. I think what we need to do. We have some friends who are super high on the Carolina Panthers. I think we need to pick that scab a little bit and just be like, "Hey, come on! Like, what's going on here? Like, wh- why are you high? Like, what are the reasons? Like, what about this?" Because I, I got. I got to be honest. Like, as good or I don't have as good a read on this team as I wish I would at this point in the season, in the preseason. What's the price point where you would not bet an over on the Los Angeles Rams team total on the road? Granted. <laughs> 30 and a half. Cause at the current lines, it's going to be like 27 with the yeah. plus, plus money. It'll probably be 26 and a half minus half 120. Hmm. I kind of dig that actually. <laughs> they might look rusty. Though, they really haven't been playing at all in the preseason. So they may be some rust. That's true. Uh, I'm going to think on we'll that. We'll see. We still have to get to these, you know, we still have to get to the week three preseason games. True, 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 Find true, true, out true. a lot. So. True, 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 true. All right. True. So I, I think the potential's there, but there's out of the three teams we've discussed so far, this one has the biggest negative. Yeah. 
I agree. Just two big negatives as far as the Cam questionable health and then the, the defense possibly having zero weapons to stop opposing pass offenses in 2019 when people like to throw the ball more and you're going to face a lot of tough offenses. So a mm-hmm. little cooler on them than the other two, but I still think they do compete. Okay. Um, but it is kind of crazy. Like a couple of people in our chat, like really love the Panthers. Like they're convinced that they are dark horses to win the NFC. And like, I, I'm not seeing that yet. I need to hear what's going on. Uh, similarly, a couple of our sharp friends, uh, very publicly, uh, love the bucks <laughs> are, I was, uh, I was not expecting when you posted, which team goes from worst to first that, um, several past, advantage players that we've interviewed on this podcast all chimed in with yeah bucks no duh Th- that is the dead easy obvious answer and i kind of looked around like whoa what am i missing here because i had kind of written them off on the basis of their schedule is a bloody nightmare um and it's a bloody nightmare in the beginning of the season which means you know you're going to be having very very difficult conversations come weeks seven eight nine about what do you do with james winston do we keep starting him we know we're not going to pay him for you know beyond this year do we need to you know tank and position ourselves to draft a quarterback like i think that's that's something that may come up and we'll save that discussion for a little bit later when we're talking schedule but you know i have has any of the general sharp um you know kind of enthusiasm for this bucks team swayed your opinion because and before you answer i think it's worth it's worth noting like when they hired bruce arians i think we were both in the same boat of great freaking hire like this team's might make some noise next year and then we see the schedule and we're like yeah maybe not (laughs) and you know I, i guess i'd like your thoughts on you know have you changed any more uh since kind of getting this feedback from some of our friends I dug into it more because I wasn't really sold on some of the things. And I did find some positives. Like there are, there are reasons to be positives and also hat tip to Tampa Bay just as a franchise for doing the right thing with Bruce Arians and like making him go through a whole battery of tests. And they even brought in his doctor like to the interview process. (laughs) Like that was probably the right call because you don't want to hire a guy and then have him keel over on the sidelines. Also, you don't want to kill a guy by having such a bad football team that great points. it stresses him to death. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, just Arians with an offense. Uh, that's that's my whole take right there. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, famous Jameis, maybe with a, a decent coach. I mean, it could be a halfway decent offense. We could see, hey, man, they don't have good running backs. There's a lot of holes here. I mean, I mean, a clear fourth team. I'm not as sold on them as some of the other people. Like, like you mentioned, we know a couple people that are that are high on this team, like competing for the division, high on this team. And I just can't quite get there with the roster. I haven't seen it. Um, Chris Godwin. You know, some people are saying it's mushed at this point because everybody's on him. But man, when when Bruce Arians moves somebody to the slot, that sticks. Like when he did that with uh, Reggie Wayne. Ask him how that worked. Like, he's a smart guy. I mean, he's a smart yeah, guy. He's he a is. smart guy. You know, he he knows what he's doing with an offense. I kind of want to challenge line. that, though, dude. Because I gotta tell you, man, Godwin was one of the. He had one of the 
highest average depth of targets of all receivers last year. I think that lent a lot to him being um, one of the more efficient receivers across the league. And I don't love the idea of putting him in the slot and uh, shorting his depth of target. I fucked up too at the beginning there and I missed my joke. I was going to say I went groping for ideas (laughs) when when it starts Jameis being good. Yeah, I've been groping around for some reason to under yeah. to support, and, and they they don't have to deal they, that, and that's a plus. They don't have to deal with that horse shit this year. I mean, do you remember what it was? They they had to go with Fitzmagic because Jameis was sitting out for being a pervert, yeah, and an assaulter, Fitz, and Fitz was great, uh, allegedly, and then Fitz was great, and then Fitz just absolutely pooped it down his leg I think versus the Bears which you know so what the, it was the Bears he's not going to play well against them and the then Jameis came in and sucked after a while and then they went back to Fitz and then they went back to Jameis I think it was an ugly year like things did not go well they I guess they'll find out this is the year they commit they'll, they'll have to figure it out at some point during this season or in the offseason if, if they're moving on from Jameis or not uh, yeah, and I think some of the reason that they're moving Godwin to the slot is they lost to Adam Humphreys. Ooh. Like, you have to have somebody to play it. And Adam Humphreys is a good slot receiver. Chris Godwin might be better. Deshaun Jackson, I don't know, whatever. He's a little older. I'm not oh, sure gone. if he... Deshaun Jackson? He's in Philly. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Oh. I'm not sure if it was a huge loss. Like, Rashawn oh, okay. Perriman might be okay. able to play long ball. Um, sure. And this is... Maybe, the, you know, Julio's great. Thomas is great. I put Mike Evans right there. Mike Evans is a stud. Mike Evans is a superstar. If they get anything going, they have some weapons besides maybe the running backs. The running backs are kind of weak. Uh, defensively, I don't know where we're at. They drafted a shitload of defense. They drafted a kicker, which, Jesus, but... <laughs> Everybody but the kicker and a wide receiver flyer they took in the sixth round was defense. They drafted a lot of defense because, I mean, they have some offensive pieces already. And they had enough holes where I think they just said, we we really need to build up some defensive depth here. That's the plan. Yeah. Uh, they signed Dominican Sue. They signed Shaquille Barrett. I mean, even a lot of their offseason signings outside of Perriman were they, uh, Buchanan. They signed another linebacker. Uh, as far as losses, they did lose Fitzpatrick. Like that wasn't easy to lose him to an <laughs> state rival like that. Too. But I think I think yeah. Adam Humphreys was the biggest one of the bigger losses from them. Yeah, they did lose a few yeah. pieces on defense. Vinny Curry went to Philly. Gerald um, McCoy. I didn't watch a lot of Tampa. Mc- Gerald like, I'm, McCoy. I'm just I'm trying to. Yeah, Gerald, Gerald McCoy was. Yeah, that was tough too. I guess they did lose a few pieces on defense. Maybe that's why they drafted so damn much. But I didn't watch a ton of Tampa games because I didn't get involved with them a lot because there was. I mean, it was a it was a hard team to gauge, and they were bouncing back between quarterbacks. So, I don't have a good read on how the defense played last year. I can look at the stats. It was, they were really and, bad. I mean, they it, were their coverage. It's a It is a completely new staff, and I am a Todd Bowles <laughs> believer, not as a head coach, but I'm a hundred percent all in on Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator. Sure, I think he'll do a good job. I just don't know if they completely have the talent. And the same thing goes with Byron Leftwich. I think he got a raw deal in Arizona. I think he was blossoming under poor conditions, and yeah. I think they actually they have a really nice little coaching staff they put together. 
And maybe I am all of a sudden sold. Maybe just for like a win total. I don't know if they go anywhere, but there you go. I mean, now we're talking total six, six, six and a half. Because what did we say was the easy part of the schedule for this division? Pass defenses. Tampa Bay will play the easiest slate projected of pass defenses, and that's the strength. Jameis plays well. The receivers are good. Maybe they can get a few wins just off the off the back of a decent pass offense. Yeah. Winston's total yardage is set at 4,400. I think they're projecting him to be behind in some games and slinging it. But even Evans, 1,350. I mean, they're projected to do well, yeah. offensively at least. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, it, what's your? This, I mean, what's in, your cold water? Besides okay, so just the talent gap between them and the other teams in the division. Well, the talent gap is very, very real. Um, oh, at yeah. a lot, at a lot of positions, and this is the fault of a poor general manager. Um, the Bucks don't have great leadership in terms of owner general manager. Um, we know this. Um, and it kind of has trickled down into a very weird, uneven roster from top to bottom as you go through the depth chart. Um, I will never forget, as long as I live, that they did not draft Derwin James, who they desperately needed to fill a very, very, very critical weakness, and instead took Vita Vey to play next to Gerald McCoy. And now this year, with Vita Vey injured and Gerald McCoy in Carolina, they don't have either guy. Um, and great. What were you even thinking about trying to do anyway? You desperately want to stop the run in a division where everyone is going air on your ass? Like, what are you doing? Like, like the, it, it was nonsense from the start, and it's poor planning and poor construction. And I think that manifests in, you know, just, just general losing games that you should otherwise win. Um, I agree with you 100% that they're receiving weapons. They're one, two, they're one, two, and three targets in the receiving game between their two best wide receivers, Godwin and Evans, who are A-plus players, and their tight end, O.J. Howard, who is a solid A as a tight end, um, receiving tight end, I should note. Um, that that will always keep yeah. you in a game. You will <laughs> always be in a game. You'll always be in there. And if we listen to some of the analytical folks who have done very careful study of Jameis Winston's performance at this point in his career, we have nothing to believe, but Winston is a decent passer of the football. He can throw the ball accurately deep. He just happens to make poor decisions from time to time. Perfect companion for a quarterback like that is to put him with a coach like Arians who can help him with his decision-making, who can craft plays where he's not throwing himself into trouble. He's not trying to hit tight windows that are too tight because he has guys he is, has been who have been schemed open. Like All of this does set up for a good season from Winston. I completely agree with that. I don't love the offensive line, but as we know, the offensive line is more correlated with running the football. I don't love the running backs, but he, you know who cares? Maybe you know. Yeah, maybe apparently, yeah. You don't need a running back. You can get some guy off the street if you have a good enough scheme. He'll be fine. And yeah, don't love their o line. Maybe Peyton Barber blocking. is the answer. Don't love their offensive no. line for run blocking. No, they have issues. The offensive line has holes. It's not a top unit in the NFL. It's probably closer to the bottom five than it is to the middle. Um, and you know, I think that only really hurts you because you're going to get into the red zone at times and the field's going to get shorter. I don't think Jameis Winston is nearly as effective throwing um, passes when it's a shorter field. I think he likes a more vertical field. I think he's much more effective between the 20s than he is inside the 20. And if you have a running game that stalls when you're down in the red zone, you're not going to score as many points 
as the yards you gain would suggest. Um, so I'm prepared to see them underachieve a little bit in terms of scoring points. Uh, and then when you look at how, you know, how they have some pretty clear and obvious deficiencies on the defensive side of the ball, I don't see a ton of wins. I don't see them competing for the South here. And it's tough for me really to make a case for these, that these guys should be contenders um, and not just an also ran kind of team. And schedule is bad. It's not good. It's it's weird. I don't know why they did this. To it these is guys. a top ten toughest schedule. I mean, it's, it's the not just toughest schedule. Yeah, and that's that's uh, not overall. Even that, yeah. so it's, it's not easy, right? But even that is not necessarily reflecting the fact that they go week four at the Rams in L.A., week five at New Orleans, week six to London to play Carolina. They got to buy week seven. Losing a home game. They got to buy week seven. That is a, a home game in London. <laughs> a home game in so London. They, they lost. Lose, they, you know, and they lose a home game. That's a big deal. Are you keeping count, by the way? That's three weeks in a row of travel. Four, five, six. Yeah. Oh, no. They, their schedule sucks. By week seven. Week eight, they go at Tennessee. Week nine, they go at Seattle. So they are covering... That, that, that is in that... Um, in that seven-week stretch, you ha- have sorry, six-week stretch. You have five games on the road, two of them in the Pacific time zone of the North America, one of them in the in the UK, one of them in the Dome against Granite. <laughs> yeah, so that's troubling. Yeah, um, you go, you go home game to LA, to New Orleans, to London, back home to Tennessee, and then out to the West Coast to Seattle. Before yeah. you come back home for a game against Arizona, where yeah. again you Arizona will probably test your defensive back depth. Yep, and because you give up your home game, it's not like there's a part of your schedule that's especially easy, right? It's like yeah, five of your last eight are at home, um, but you know it may be too late for that. Like oh great, you get Indy, Houston, and Atlanta at home in the last quarter of the season. Here's your great home stretch. Uh, here, you know, good luck beating these teams at dynamic passing offenses. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a tough schedule. I really have a tough time even really buying into a win total over here just because of how nasty this middle is. So I think the play with Tampa Bay is uh, take the points. Yeah, bad defense, decent offense, keeping it close. Trying to see what they can get out of Jameis. They're going to be playing, playing hard late in games. Trying to keep that, uh, keep that offense moving. Well, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like you know, they're they're not going to mail it in. I suppose even in their down big. Yeah, if they're trying to evaluate Jameis for the entire season, in, unless it goes really, really bad and they just pull the plug on him, then it could go really shitty. But while Jameis and that offense is out there, I think they can. There can be some back doors. There can be some keeping it close enough to, you know, to cover as a dog. There will be dogs a lot. They were underdogs twelve times last year. They're only favored in three. I think it looks like. And yeah, overall, it is kind of a tough schedule. That's a super shitty travel section there. And then, like you said, the home games in the second half of the season, if you take out Arizona, it's the Saints, the Colts, the Texans, the Falcons. And then part of it is just being in that division. We just talked about the other three teams. 
it it sucks. Even if even if Carolina's not all that good, you still have to play New Orleans twice and the Rams. And that's your that's your NFC title game from last year. You get to play those games three times. And then yeah. I mean the Colts. The Colts obviously are uh, uh, one of the favorites in the AFC. So tough schedule. I, yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm out on them being able to. Uh, I mean, how many W's do you think they'll eat? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think like five or five or six is kind of the range. Yeah, the offense I is good. I'm saying six. They, they might hit their win total. I mean, they, they could get spot. to seven. I don't. They can get to seven. They, yeah, six, they, six get, they like could the only get likely. five. I think. I think this is a narrow band. Though. I think we're talking five, six, seven. I don't think five to seven. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, if if uh, Carolina turns out to be a rough team and they get one of those and they they beat the Giants, the Cardinals, maybe the Titans, Jacksonville's offense doesn't pan out. The Lions aren't that good, and maybe even Houston is a is a game that they'd have a chance in if that team. Uh, doesn't live up to expectations. So you there's chances beat, uh, to get six, seven wins. But um, you, you think they beat the Niners that? week one? Uh, I think it's a. I think it'll be a competitive game because the yeah, Niners like a still kind of. <laughs> it's like a yeah. They they kind of they got to get to know that you know that that whole team's coming back. Um, yeah. What is that line for the first week there? Take them. It is a pick. I want to say I want to say it was Niners by two. Maybe I was dead off. Well, it's at, it's at, yeah, Tampa. I mean, it is a, it's at Tampa. So it is like, at Tampa. That's but like, fair. does that make that does that make sense from a power number standpoint? Like, from a power number Not standpoint, really. knowing what we know that these teams is Tampa three points worse. I don't think so. <laughs> Probably some line value on Tampa, right? And that, I mean, at home, really some Tampa, of our, Tampa and Tampa team total twenty five. Uh, yeah, a couple of our four and a half. Couple of our sharp friends are just hot and heavy on that over. Um, they like kind of can't believe it's in the forties. Starting to feel that way too. Um, barely in the forties anymore. I know, but like it probably shouldn't be in the forties if we're being honest. Um, but you know, you never know. Not as, I think the over. I've seen over. I'm on. Oh, you not do? telling anybody yet? Okay, keep it a secret. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'll have to subscribe to your VIP package. And that is the out. NFC South. Okay. All right, man. Let's wrap this up uh, and let's circle back and put a bow on this with a after all we did on teams two, three, and four. Are the Saints going to finish in the top two in this division? I'm picking Atlanta to win the division. I'm going to do that right now. Okay. And uh, and who's second? Actually, no. no. I think Let me rephrase nice... this. Stop, stop. Hold on. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Oh, oh, oh. Reverse it. Reverse. Add reverse. 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 Um, do the do the Saints what? What I was doing? That's like from the yeah. chart. From the um, there's like a, a wedding song that has that in it. Um, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do the Saints have a 50-50 shot to win the South? I'd put it right at that, like 45 to 50%. Mm, I'm like 40. They should be the favorites. But they shouldn't they should, Yeah, I'm like I'm like 45 to 50. They shouldn't be minus whatever they are. Okay. Like, um, them to not win the division is a decent look. Okay. Uh is there greater than a 20% chance that they finish first or second? 
No, I mean we kind of went over that. We we had our numbers there for sure. Well, um, I'm sorry. I'm for sure, 80%. I'm still in on that. I'm number. sorry. I'm in eighty percent. Yeah, the eighty. Yeah. No, and I knew where you were going with that because yeah. the number is, is there the numbers about five to one yeah. that they do not finish in the top two. It's five to one. So you, you know, where do you put that likelihood? And That's we like both 12. were in the exactly. twenty to thirty. Five, five to one is like twelve. I I off the right back of the envelope. We were talking about this. I was like, yeah, twenty maybe, but. 12, 12 16.6. Like, yeah, 16. Oh, yeah, sorry. 16. 16.6. That that's uh that's value, I think. I really do. I think there's sure. 25-ish to 30% chance that the Saints finish third or fourth. I think this is like a Honestly, I think this is like a 40% chance they finish first, a 30% chance they finish second, like a 20% chance they finish third and a 10% chance they finish fourth. Um, so I'm like 30%. And if you want to get really cute, if you want to get really cute and you are not bought in at all on Tampa, and I don't think we were all that bought in on Tampa, you can get six to one that they finished third, just straight up third. Like Tampa wins four games. Exactly third. Exactly third. I don't love that either. I'd rather, I think that's uh, maybe. Yeah. That's how they, I mean, the difference between that and, do you have a exactly yeah third. yeah? Says I, I, all that I, you need to hear about Tampa. I closed the damn the damn sheet. Do you remember what not not finishing um not finishing fourth was plus money? What do you mean the Saints don't finish fourth? It's no, like no, no, minus six thousand. No, the Bucks. Oh God, <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, Tampa Bay to not finish fourth. Yeah, was plus one thirty four. Uh, I thought you meant Saints. I'm like, well, it's a big big number, dude. We can bet it, but I don't think we should. Okay. Um, there and there was there was a couple of fun ones on there too. If you wanted to, real quick, I wanted to get your take on a couple of these. Sure. Five Dimes has a ton of these where they just have teams matched up where they cool. teams yeah, with similar win totals. Um, Falcons, Seahawks, season wins, pick them minus one thirty to the Seahawks. So oh, even boy. money on the Falcons. Yes, give me even money on the Falcons for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I thought so too. I think I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Panthers and Texans. These are all pickums. Minus one twenty-five, minus one hundred five. Panthers with the juice. God damn, that's a toughie. I don't. It is. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a super duper duper big number that they finish with the same number of wins because I feel like they're like yeah, both seventy-nine or both eighty-eight. Yeah, come on, right, 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 right. Oh my god! They have that. They have that in golf on Sundays where it's like they'll do the matchups, and then one of the options will be like it's a tie. And it's, you know, it's always a decent sized number. All right, last one, and then we'll cut this one. Yeah, Tampa Bay and Oakland. Tampa okay. Bay minus one fifty to the pick. A guy that Oakland's I've, getting plus twenty. A guy that I've chatted with for a while, super nice guy Brian, uh, hit me up with this question uh, yesterday. Um, and oh really? That's funny. Yes, yes. You have, you have any thoughts on uh, uh, season bet for Bucks versus Raiders? At that time, Bucks were minus one twenty-five. <laughs> he said, "Am I missing something here?" I said, "Wow, that seems extremely favorable towards the Bucks. Can't imagine who out there is interested in backing the Raiders team with the schedule." Um, and sure enough, 
you know, came back and was like, wow, I just went to go check again and it's minus 150 now. So you, we weren't, you know, we were all kind of in the same boat here. That was probably a poor line. Minus 150 seems reasonable, um, but uh, Tampa wins more than four games and the Raiders win less, in my opinion. So I, I still like that at minus 150 probably, but I'm not locking that kind of juice down for a season win prop like this. So there's better ways to hit this. Yeah. In the chat, they're talking about that Drew Brees under on the yardage right now. Oh, I'm not, oh yeah. I'm not like crazy bullish on it, but a plus number at under 4,200 yards. I just the way the offense is gonna, the way they're gonna dictate the offense with his his noodle arm that we're gonna get to. I don't think that's a terrible look. Did you see what his stats were the last three years? And granted, yeah. he only he only, played, he only played he only played 15 games last year, so you have to factor in the fact that he didn't have a full slate. But uh, it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty reasonable correlation with his age. It's a, <laughs> age going up. Yeah, it's a great number. Going down. <laughs> um, no, but he did. He, what do you have? Like he had like 3,900. Yeah, I, I think that's an under. Look, I think that's that's probably not a terrible number, but um, if you factor in the oh, I think he went over that last year. I think he had like forty five hundred yards. Breeze? He had a good season, but Breeze, yeah, uh, you Drew need to Breeze. check again, man. Um, let me pull it up here. He he did not. I think he only threw thirty nine hundred yards last year. Would that surprise you if that was all he threw? I'm, I'm going to say forty five hundred thirty nine ninety two. Drew Brees passing yards last year. I don't know. He for, he threw 43-34 in 2017 as a 38-year-old. He threw 39-92 last year. Well, hell's bells. I'm looking at bad numbers then. <laughs> uh, maybe a minor adjustment. I guess they do like it more. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's yeah. I don't know. I don't know why we would be look have that big of a discrepancy. He was 39-9-3992 last year. Um, but again, he only threw. He only played 15 games. Um, okay, that is true. So, congratulations to Drew Brees on winning NFL MVP finally, um, and uh, congratulations Saints on winning your second ever Super Bowl. I think we got we got a wrap. Sound good? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Finally. All right. That was fun. This was a fun one, and you know, it's it's not bad to plant a flag. Uh, super, you know, super. Um, we're getting to the part of the, the preseason where I'm starting to really crystallize some of these opinions. So I don't mind planting this flag. And, you know, if we're talking about a team that's expected to do, you know, to be a contender and I see enough evidence that it's not happening, I don't mind being, you know, having, you know, staking out this corner. So good luck to you saints. This is not a personal thing. I love the city of new Orleans and I've supported the saints for many, many years, but uh, it is time to get off the bus before you get hit by the bus. And uh, you know, 40 years old for drew Brees with the decline we've seen in his ability to pass the football is exactly the right time in my opinion. And um, I will pay to be wrong about that. So with that, let's wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs>